0: I wanted to show that little video at the beginning. I'm not sure where the sink issue was, was at, but no worries. Uh, the reason for the video is because, you know, for the last couple of weeks that I've been preaching, we've talked about the fact that you don't have to be a salesman. You don't have to be a saint. You don't have to be the entire process. Well, this time, the idea is that you don't have to be a theologian. As you saw in that video, everything she asked of him, he's like, well, I'm not an expert in that area. I'm not an expert in that area. A theologian is someone who studies theology or the study of God. And so when you have people who go to school, they're considered experts in godliness and experts in what God is all about, thus the name theologian. But here is the thing. To share the gospel message with others, you do not have to be an expert you do not have to be a theologian. Some of the greatest people in the Bible were not educated in a school, but rather educated by God Himself through the Holy Spirit, through the discipleship process. And so, for you to share the gospel message with others, you don't need to be an expert. I want to take you to the scripture reading for today. Go with me to John 13 beginning on verse 34, and we'll read verses 34 and 35 only. uh, John 13, and when you have it, say amen. Still here are some pages, and so we'll wait for just a moment. This is John chapter 13, beginning on verse 34. And here's Jesus speaking, and he says as follows. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as i have loved you that you also love one another verse 35 by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another the gospel is very simple in its message What God is asking of us through Jesus is that we simply love one another. Now, I'm not trying to take away from the fact that there are some things that we need to keep in mind. Because, I mean, the Bible talks about this idea of faith and works and how faith without works is nothing. And so you can't claim that Jesus also says, hey, if you love me, keep my commandments. But he's giving you the greatest commandments of love God and love one another. And how is it that the world is going to know him? And that you're his disciples, not by how well you know the Bible inside and out, by how much or how easily you can recite the commandments and all of the Bible prophecies from memory. No, no, by how you love one another. And so if I were to come into a community of faith, a community of people that you belong to one another, you see each other and I see the love manifested. I want to be part of that community. But if I were to see a community of faith where they can't stand each other, they're constantly taking notes as to who's wearing what, looking which way or the other, and ready to beat up one another, why would I want to be part of said community? The key is love. And when you have love, I was actually having um, dinner with a friend this week, and we were talking about the concept of the commandments. Not part of this, but I'll mention it briefly. If you love God, then how will you have any other gods before him? How will you bow down to them and make any images and kneel before them to to, to that extent to worship them or mention his name in vain? If you love God, why will you not spend time with him on the day he set aside for you and your family to be with him? If I love my neighbor, why would I lie to them, steal from them, kill them, etc.? And you're saying, ooh, I would never take anybody's life. Well, do you remember the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus says something along the lines of, you know, getting angry or even lying to someone is the same as killing them. What was the last time you got upset at one of your church members or family members? And so think about that. If I love you, then all of that falls underneath that. Understand that loving one another is not an exclusion of the laws and the tenets of God. However, there is a time and a place for everything. You remember that old adage, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care? You have to understand that people are more important than information, truth and data. Yes, I said it. People are more important than information, truth and data. You got to figure out where they are, meet them where they are similar to how Jesus did and meet them and meet their particular needs. Only then will you be at a position to be able to share information, truth, and data with them. Now, am I saying that biblical truth is, is, is not important and that information is not important? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that people are more important than any of that. I'll give you an example. i want you a picture. You know, we went, we went backpacking in Iceland and... Um, I had a fun time. It really was a lot of fun. I'm actually getting color back on my toenails from, from the trip. It was actually, uh, I lost a little bit of color. I mean, we, we hiked a lot. I had a heavy bag, and we were there. But imagine we're backpacking, and we're hiking somewhere, and suddenly we come across someone who's just hanging by a half-broken branch down to the side of the cliff. And we're saying, hello down there. Didn't you see the big red sign that says, caution, deep cliff ahead, steep fall, be careful. What are you doing? You should have been more careful when you were hiking through here. And where's your buddy? Don't you know that you always must go hiking with a buddy? I mean, in the book, The Hiker and You, pages 23 to 25, details clearly that you should never. Do you see how ridiculous that is? What that person needs at the moment is for someone to throw them a rope, to extend a hand, to get them out of there, and then if you must, hand them the book of the hiker and you. But all of that lecture and information and beating while he is down, literally, is not as important as the need that that individual has at the moment. See, understand You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a theologian to share Christ with others. But the best way that the world can know that you are a child of Christ is how you care for them, especially in the time of needs. Christ-like service, Christ-like service is the key to ministering to others. It's not being an expert. Your information and your data is useless to me when I'm dangling there. And there's many people here in this world who are trying to hang on by a thread, who are having problems in their marriage, who are having problems with their relationship, with their spouses, with their children, perhaps with their parents, who don't know how they're going to eat next, who just got fired from work, and they haven't been able to get a job anywhere else because they're blocking their opportunities, whatever the case may be. At that moment, they need someone to listen to them, to be present for them, someone who is going to be there and just hear them out and perhaps provide a form of relief for that particular individual. Once you do that, once you establish this relationship, once you develop that, once you are there for them, care for them, smile at them, listen to them, meet their needs, at that point, you are now at a position where you can minister to them and then share the amazing biblical truths that we find in the Word of God. And you can share the amazing wonders about Jesus. But a relationship needs to precede information. See, understand something. The world that we're in right now is different than most of you and I grew up in. I've mentioned to you before that back in the day, we we worked as a family. We were together. You know, my dad was a Smith, and I'm a Smith, and my son will be a Smith, and that's what we do. We are in the family business, and that's what we do. Well, that has changed now. Family has sort of broken apart. We are distant from one another. We could be sitting in the same table eating together, and each one of us in our own little corner. Family is not as together as it was before. Back in the day, we needed information between the internet and everything else. We are saturated saturated with information not only are we saturated with information we're saturated with misinformation too you know talk about fake news and fake videos and now you got to have a website to see if what it's saying on this other site is true but then now you need another website to make sure that this website is also true and you're fact checking everything and anything because not only do we have real data but we have corrupted data everywhere and the last thing people want or need is information they are yearning for a relationship. They are yearning for relief. And now take it even further. I take it even further. Right now, just look at the news. Look out there. Go sit at a mall somewhere and just sit there and just watch people for a little bit. Don't do it in a creepy way, you know, but just, 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 just watch people for, for a moment. And, and, and notice the need for Christ. When I, when I lived in Camden, New Jersey, one of my cousins... I won't mention his name because we record this stuff and we put it online. But one of my cousins, he, he was um, he was an entrepreneur dealing in illegal substances somewhere in a corner of this street and that street, right? And, and so I, I, as, I've, as I've come in there in Camden, you know, I've seen people in the corners all of the time, whether they're selling one product or another. Now, with that being said, I'm not just going to walk up to a complete stranger and say, what are you doing here? What is going on? Come over here. I'm looking to get shot. However, my cousin, his family, you don't know how many times I've pulled him out of places, whether he's being strung down or being up to no good. And I'm saying, bro, you got to cut this out. And you've no better. There's a time that he actually pulled out a gun at someone. And they call me and says, you got to come and get your cousin. He's going to get killed. And so I had to go out there and reach him. But why was I able to smack him up, yank him up, yoke him up, do everything that in, Because we have a relationship. If I were to do any of that to a complete stranger, even if it's a 12, 13-year-old kid, these kids are crazy nowadays. They're packing heat, and they will do some stuff. So you can't do that. So when there's a world of people out there who are given into sin, to the pleasures of the world, to all of these things that we hear about in the scriptures. Without a relationship, you are not really able to reach them. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. They're going to say to you, you better get out of my face. They might even threaten you. They want nothing to do with you. But when you start ministering to their needs, they can't argue with that. I'm hanging and dangling by that branch. You extend a hand. I don't care who you are, how you look like. I don't care if you have bad breath, busted teeth. It doesn't matter. I'm going to say thank you. You saved my life because you've met my needs. You took care of me when I was hanging on by a thread. You minister to people. You connect with people. You love people. And when they're ready, you can share Information with them. You could share them biblical truth. You could tell them how they can really experience through, true and genuine happiness, how they can experience that joy even if they're in the midst of a fiery furnace or sitting in a lion's den. You could tell them, you know what, when you give your life to Christ, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be f- perfect. It doesn't mean that there's going to be prosperity across the board. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be flowers and rainbows. Things are going to get ugly. If anything, the minute you choose to give your life to Christ, they're going to get even uglier than what they have been. But the difference is that there's going to be a joy and a peace within that even in the midst of the storm, you can go down the boat and just fall asleep like a baby. And yes, disciples may come up to you and say, you don't even care if we die? It's all good because with Jesus in the vessel... It does not matter what the storm looks like. It doesn't matter whether or not you can eat. He will hold you up. He will sustain you. Even if you spend 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. Even if you're like Moses who spent a month and a half on the mountain without anything to eat but feasting on the Lord. But they won't hear until they see the love. And I will tell you, it's hard to love unless the love of Christ is truly growing and being perfected in you. Now, I want to move on just briefly from this, because I want to make sure that you have the following. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be an expert. You have to simply love people, and when they're ready, you can share now with them. Now, I will tell you, some of us are very good at loving people, Some of us are phenomena. I mean, you just get to know them. You just say, you're just a big ball of love. Look at that. You're just amazing, so caring, so compassionate. But it doesn't end there. You do eventually have to share with them about Christ Jesus. Because after all, if we believe that Christ is coming soon, then why are we just playing church? Why are we coming here feeling good about ourselves? We sing a few songs. We stand sit down at certain times, kneel whenever it is. We listen to it, and then we call it a day. Why is it that we're going out there and just feeding people but not sharing with them Christ? You see, it all goes together. You have one, then you have the other. And when you do the other, you do it in love. Now, some people don't share for the following reasons. It may not apply to you, but I share with you. Number one is fear of not knowing. You know, I don't know the Bible as much as I should. You should go talk to Joey or the elders, anybody else. Maybe they can help you. Don't be afraid. When you're ministering to people and they ask you a question that is like, (gasps) I never thought of that. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? I don't know. But I'll be more than happy to, you know, look into it. Or perhaps, why don't you get your Bible? I'll get mine. We'll study. Let's meet next week. We'll discuss that topic together. They will respect you so much more when you tell them, I simply do not know. And I will check into it for you. than if you try to just pull out of a hat and answer that they're not going to buy to begin with because you yourself have not bought it as you're giving that answer. So when it comes to sharing the gospel message, if you don't know, it's okay to say that you don't know. Number two. One of the mistakes or one of the things to keep in mind when minister to people, sharing way too much information. See, you have an opportunity to minister to someone, and many of us think, I got to give them, you know, the the, the last five years of school, everything that I learned. I got to throw it all into this one conversation right now because I may never get a chance. It does not work that way. You know, there was a, 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 a salesman who used to go door to door, and the story goes about the individual when he, people were asking for directions, he would love to just give directions. He always loved to explore new routes, and he always gave too much information. Individual pull up to him, Love, we do want to, hey, I'm trying to find how to get to so-and-so place. Oh, well, I know how to get you there. Number one, you could go out here to Walnut Street, make a right, then you could get, you know, you're going to pass Chestnut, and you're going to pass, you know, Maple, and you're going to pass Cherry Street, and you're going to pass this one. Once you get to... to, to um. Lehigh street right there you're going to make a left and then you're going to pass a house in the corner where an old couple used to live there but then they passed away and they sold it at an auction and um you know now some weird young people that live there so if you hear some loud music along the way just ignore because those people are wild but you know we put on a a petition to actually request to have them removed from that particular property but anyhow you're going to go from there and you're going to and then after he finished all of that he says I also have an alternate route for you where you could go now this way. And he began the story all over again. The person began to, you know, move up, roll up the window little by little as they were putting. I got it, we're good, we're good. We'll ask somebody else. And so when, when people ask you, when they finally are ready to say, there's something different about you. Why is it that you're going out of your way to feed me, to clothe you, to, to meet my needs? What is it that you're doing? You can say, you know what? I too, once upon a time, needed some love a Christian, show me about Christ and because I love Christ, I love you and I want to help you. Something simple, something short. You don't need to get into some, well, in Matthew chapter 25 and they begin from there. Just understand that you can simply just share a little bit with people and when they're interested and they ask more, then you can share a whole lot more. But too much information is a problem. Sharing too much can turn people off. They don't want to hear it. So Make sure that you understand that in mind. Try to come up. One of the things that I told the elders very briefly, uh, you know, a while back, is to very briefly come up with their before Christ, during Christ, and after Christ experience. You know, before I met Christ, I used to drink. I used to smoke. I used to party. I used to mistreat my wife and my kids. And that's an example. I'm not, my wife met me after Christ. But, you know, it's an example, okay? Anyhow, she's not here because we were at Crawfordville this morning. She's with the Crawfordville people. But anyhow, uh, so anyhow, you know, I used to be, do this, et cetera. But then one day, someone shared with me Jesus. And when I met Jesus, I no longer drink. I no longer smoke. I no longer abuse my wife and my kids or whatever your story may be. Maybe you could be like one of my cousins who had a $500 a day cocaine addiction. And now he's completely clean for that. I mean, that's a very hard thing to come. So you could share that. I used to be a drug addict. Then I met Jesus. And I am clean. It's been six months, two days, 23 hours, and five seconds that I've been clean. And thank you, Jesus. See, that's less than two minutes. You can share your story without going into a lengthy Bible study. And then when they say, tell me more, (laughs) hey, now you say, let's schedule an appointment. Let's have lunch. And now you can share all of that. But if you could just share your conversion story in just two minutes, if you could share why you're helping me in just two minutes, that would go a long way. On um, during an elevator uh, ride, you know, we both get on the first floor. How's it going? You know, they ask something. Oh, you know, Jesus, I may love you. See you later. That's very simple. Find a way to share your story in a brief moment. You never know when you're going to have an opportunity to share Jesus, and that's the only time you will ever see that person again. So why not work on being able to tell your story and be open, be transparent. Do not be afraid to to air out your dirty laundry because guess what? It's not dirty anymore. It is okay to say that's how it used to be, but thanks be to Jesus. Look at me. And it is all right. Number three, the third thing to to, to keep in mind is um, not realizing that the values of society have changed. You know, we can't... (laughs) We cannot assume that the Bible is all finite authority. I have to tell you, I used to love when my kids were much younger than what they are now. We're having some problems with them right now. When they were younger, you know, they would ask any question. And it says, you know, because the Bible says so. Ask God. He knows. You know, you could just, just throw it all to that. But now they keep asking, but why? But why? But we want to know more. But why is it like that? Why is it that when we go to church, we're supposed to be like this or look like that or this, whatever? You know, the whole Jesus is the answer. It doesn't work anymore. Now they want to know. And guess what? I could still teach them that the Bible, you know, the Bible does teach us X, Y, and Z. Some people out there could care less about the Bible society's values have completely changed this is very important for a couple of things number one just because i have this particular beliefs i can't expect other people to have the exact same beliefs and i have to accept them where they are but not leave them there but accept them there do you see the difference remember the adulterous woman that was brought to jesus where are those that condemn you neither do i but just go and don't do it again And so we have to be willing to meet and accept people where they are. Don't leave them there. Share Christ with them. And Christ through the Holy Spirit will bring them a long way, perhaps further along than you and I. But understand that their values have changed. The Bible doesn't have any authority. God means nothing. Which God? Take a number. There's plenty of them. And understand that because when you're ministering to people, it's a whole different society. When I grew up, I remember, and I've shared this here with you before, but I'll mention it again for this particular point, where entire congregations gave their life to Jesus because a pastor learned about the seventh-day Sabbath versus the first day of the week and getting that confused with the, with the seventh day. And so he says, hey, this is Sabbath. And entire congregations, Sunday churches became Seventh-day Adventists and Sabbath keepers because they learned that. Back in the day, people with Bible and Bible, you share the truth and that work. Now people don't care about the Bible. So how are you going to go and share the Bible with someone who doesn't even believe in the Bible? You have to show them the biggest witness that there is a Christ is not what's written in the scriptures, but a changed and transformed individual. If the light of Christ is shining in you, you are the biggest witness to someone who doesn't believe in the Bible. Then when they believe in seeing you, there's something different. You can say, we right here in the word of God. And they read that. Wow. But they would have never even picked it up unless they saw it in you first. Do you understand? Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people that pick up the Bible, and their lives are changed right there and there. But most people will stay away from it because in this country, we don't want to do with God or Christians or anybody else. It's not like when I went to Kenya, and they never heard about Christ, and we introduced them to Christ, and, and they loved Christ, and they gave their life to Christ. You know, in Kenya, Christ had no credit. In the U.S., Christ has bad credit, and nobody wants to borrow from him or lend to him. And that's the idea because they hate Christians and they they look bad upon Christians, but they cannot deny a changed and transformed life, which is the biggest witness of what an amazing and mighty God we serve. When somebody at work, when somebody at work uh, or somewhere shares something with you, you could use the following examples to, to help them learn more about the scriptures without beating them up with the scriptures. You could say something, you know what? I was anxious about blank, and these verses gave me peace. I wasn't sure how to decide about this or that, and these verses gave me direction. I felt hopeless, and these scriptures brought in my outlook so much. You know, you can introduce the scripture without saying, here's the Bible. And you can share with them what it has done for you. Because when I see what it has done for you, now I want to know more. And you could point people to the scriptures which they speak about Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? Number four, one of the things to watch out for, too, when you're ministering to others, engaging in debate. Don't do that. Don't don't engage in debate. Let Let me tell you this. The devil knows the Bible better than any of us do. The devil was very good at twisting scripture and trying to tempt Jesus. Oh, but it is written. And Jesus says, yeah, but it is written again. And and so he managed to fight it out because he knew his scriptures. But you you cannot outquote the Bible to the devil. And there are some people out there that study a particular topic that they want to just fight, fight, fight. And that's not a Christ-like thing because here's the thing. Number one, if you lose... Before a crowd of witnesses and whatever else you've lost, and now they think that this person who has wrong teaching is right. Number two, if you win, how does that look like? ha In your face! How is that Christ-like? You try to share the gospel with someone. You try to share biblical truths. But if you see that they're just trying to fight and engage in they say, look i was just sharing my opinion this is what i believe from bible verses if you want to study together someday we can but i was just sharing and you know this is just where i stand just sort of don't, don't don't negate the bible but try to find the simplest way to just let it be because this is the thing you are never going to change that person's mind doesn't matter how well you argue their intention is to cause a fight and no matter how you say they say well so i still don't care like Okay, then. And so all it's going to do is create more harm than good. Share the Bible to people who want to learn the Bible. And remember, no one comes to Christ except the Father draws him to them. The Holy Spirit goes ahead of time, preps the work. And when you are there to share, when you are there to share, at that moment, now you can give them whatever it is that God has placed upon your heart to share with them. The fifth one and the last one before we go to the last two verses today is using religious lingo. We have to really watch out for that. You know, there was a big sign once upon a time that says Jesus save and the guys were like, I didn't know Jesus was into finance because they had no idea what Jesus saves mean. You know, you have to understand, we talk very weird as church people and Seventh-day Adventists, you are the worst. Happy Sabbath. What in the world does that mean? See, in English... Sabbath and Saturday are two different names. In Spanish, it's different because in Spanish, Sabbath is Sábado. Saturday is Sábado. And so you're able to say, Feliz Sábado, and they're thinking you're just saying, like, Happy Monday or Happy Tuesday or thank goodness it's Friday, right? You know, you, you can say that, but, but Happy Sabbath is just weird. I was doing a Bible study this week, and the young lady that I was doing the study with, she, she noticed that we had talked before about... Uh, I, I actually, what I said to her was, and she was taken back. I says, you know, yeah, and you know, and, and Jesus, he's my bridegroom, and I'm his bride, and she looked at me and says, and she's like, are you, and I said, no, 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 the Bible, the Bible teaches that Christ is a bridegroom, and the church, everybody, male and female, like, we are the bride, and I have to explain myself, she's like 21, 22, college young lady, I, I, Bible study right back there while we have prayer meeting here, and so, Anyhow, and so I had to sort of explain to her, and then we got to the talks of women, and the problem is that there's one woman in Revelation, and then there's another woman, but then there's also the church as a woman, but there's also the city as a woman, and she was just all confused. And so we have to be careful with our religious lingo because she was questioning why I was married with children for a moment there as I shared with her this. but So you have to be careful and, and try to teach people as though they were children, not without talking down upon them, without patronizing them, but, but make sure that you explain it, that you say, you know, the Bible compares, what I should have proceeded to say, the Bible compares us as, as uh, the body of Christ as if we were a bride and Christ is the groom. And one day we're going to be reunited with and then I could have said so he is my groom and I'm his bride see that would have made much sense after that explanation and so the religious lingo is something we need to watch out for because we think people speak the same language I was doing another Bible study when I asked them to go to a particular verse they thought the Bible was in alphabetical order they weren't sure how the names quite worked out and said that we're trying to find it and so you got to understand that we are a whole different culture than the people that we're facing and religious lingo can be a complete turnoff because this is what happens number one they come in they're listening to this language they're thinking to themselves okay i don't know what they're talking about it's their own secret thing i want no part of this and they're excluded okay or they think that you're purposely trying to talk down to them, feel them, make them feel like they're dumb, and, and they're saying, well, I, I don't want to do that. I don't like how I feel being outside of the box in all of this. So whether they think you're exclusive or they feel left out inadvertently, this is something that we need to watch out for. Go with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 26. And when you have it, say amen. In the idea of you not having to be a theologian, let me tell you what it is that you can do On behalf of Christ continually. Pray daily. Spend time with God daily. Study your scriptures. And if you are like me, if you are like me, where you have a terrible memory... A terrible memory. I read the Bible, and there are some stories that I get confused all of the time. Like we were studying about Paul this morning, and I couldn't remember if the, the, the soldiers heard or saw the light, but it was one or the other, and I could remember the confusion there. And you know why? Because I haven't read that in a while. I'm back in Exodus right now, so I'm reading, you know, over again. And so I haven't gotten to that section yet. And so I get all confused all the time. That's why daily I get up, I study, and I pray because it it, it takes a lot of preparation for me. I got so much in my head that, that stuff leaves me. And perhaps you're one of those, but your job is to spend time with the Lord, pray with the Lord, talk to the Lord, read his scriptures, digest the scriptures, take him in. And when the time comes... Look what it says in John 4, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That is a promise from above. Now, it's hard for him to bring to remembrance. not impossible, but hard for him to bring to remembrance something that was never there to begin with. This is, why, this is why it is our duty to seek God daily and commune with him daily so that when the time comes, all of those things just come back and you just, wow. And you're able to share that because the Holy Spirit can work in you and through you for the benefit of all. Last text for today, Acts chapter 4, beginning on verse 8. And when you have it, say amen. Acts chapter 4, beginning on verse 8. And when you have it, say amen. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. It says the following, Then Peter, filled with the what? The Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Verse 9. If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Verse 10. Let it be known to you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by, his, by, this, by him, this man stands here before you whole, complete. Verse 11. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, these were not theologians now, they marvel and they realize that they have been with Jesus. And seeing the men who have been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. You want to minister to the world. Show the world that you have been with Jesus. And whether you're educated and are trained or not, they cannot say anything against it. Because when you do good on behalf of God, as extensions of his body, Christ is the head. And by the way, not a real head, but just explaining that he is the leader and we're the body. Christ is the head and we are the body. We are extensions of him out there doing all of these things. The world can't say anything against him. See, being with Christ is the secret to being able to minister to the world. You don't have to be a theologian. You just have to be a follower of Christ Jesus. Let us go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you. Because whether we are educated like Saul was or a dumb, hard-headed fisherman like Peter, it does not matter. Our education means absolutely nothing. What matters is who is Lord over us and whether or not we have been with you. Father God, help us draw nearer and nearer to you. Help us work closer with you. Continue to grow in our lives. You are the beginner, the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. You are the one that can make this imperfect, rotten individual perfect in you. But Lord, I can't do this of myself. It has to be you working in me. So I ask that you be with my brothers and sisters here in this church, that you work in us and through us for the benefit of all, so that between now and your soon return, we can tell others and show others what a mighty God we serve. Bless us and keep us right now. It is my prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let all your children say, Amen.